Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep. The application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. This is NFL Nuts Sunday with Ryan Hannibal, Kirk Minahan, Rich Keefe, and Christian Fourier. The ultimate football podcast. Let's get started with NFL Nuts Sunday. Now here's Ryan Hannibal. Welcome back, Kirk Minahan. We're having a, a normal show this week. Last week was a little bit different following the Garoppolo trade. You guys were bumped for uh, Field Yates, but... Yeah, that's, that's fresh. Boy, it's one thing that we didn't get enough of. Or it was Field Yates' perspective after that trade. I'm glad I'm glad you had him on. Did you hear it? No. Fuck no. He was no. excellent. No, he wasn't. He was. All right. You guys had, a, had a, a very good interview this week with Tom Brady. I thought it was the best of the year by thing. Do you think it was the best of the year? Um, yeah, probably, I think probably because, you know, he was kind of in a, he was in a talkative mood mostly and those bi-week ones are usually pretty good. Um, you know, we usually, we do usually get a little more of like the kind of off the field stuff, but between, you know, the Garoppolo trade and the uh, ESPN story, we really couldn't go that. I would say, yeah, I would say, I mean, you know, I'd have to go back and listen to all of them. But, I mean, yeah, I would say it was definitely right up there for sure. What was your biggest takeaway of all the things that that came up? You know, I I, I do think that the Wickersham story, and again, I don't know how much of it is accurate and how much isn't. Clearly, there's a divide between Belichick and Guerrero. Does it really matter? Probably not. I mean, they've won two Super Bowls in three years. They're six and two. But the way Brady answered the question about Belichick and Guerrero is pretty telling. And, you know, I don't know why I expect more. Just as somebody's watched them for whatever, 16 years now, you expect more from the Belichick-Brady relationship than there probably is. So when Belichick and Brady say, yeah, we're not that close, for some reason, I don't know why, I'm surprised every single time. We've asked Brady that question in some form or fashion, I don't know, a dozen times over the last, I have over the last, you know, this is my fifth year doing it with him. And he is, you know, he kind of always says the same thing. That kind of brought me to my point of, I was going to bring up why you didn't push him on that. Like, obviously he has some sort of insight. He's with Guerrero like five hours a day, at least five days a week. But is it just because it, you kind of knew you weren't going to get anywhere? Is that why you didn't push him well, on you heard that? his answer. I mean, you, mean you heard his answer. He wasn't going to talk about it. I mean, I could ask him again. In, in the, like two or three years, two, year, two years ago even, probably a year ago maybe, I would do that so, so I, I felt good about myself. You know, oh, I'm not afraid to ask that question. But you've already asked the question. If you ask the question again, He's just going to give you – you're just doing it so you can ask it. He's going to say nothing. If he had given me – like yesterday – did you listen to Belichick yesterday? Very good. Uh, yeah, it was pretty good. But, like, I, the one flaw – one problem – I had two problems, I guess, with the interview. The first one was 
when Belichick said the fake news thing and said these certain guys, to me, Belichick right there was saying, ask me another question about ESPN because I really want to rip the shit out of this story. They didn't. They did not follow up with the collision course quote, which I would have there. If Belichick says nothing like he usually does, you know what you say? You know what? I try again. He says, no, fine, fucking I move on. But with with uh, with Brady in that first answer, you know, the I don't know. You're just like, all right, fine. Let's let's try and find a different way to get there. And, and oftentimes I think when Brady says nothing, like he did with Mayweather, like he did with this, he's saying a lot. You know, even like Goodell when he says nothing. You know by yeah. saying nothing, he's telling you something. So so why won't he ever compliment Jimmy Garoppolo? That this thing seems baffling to me. Like every time Garoppolo's name comes up, he never gives him any credit. Like you guys asked him if Garoppolo pushed him at all in the last, you know, three and a half years, and his answer was I'm self motivated myself. Like to me, why why can't he give any credit? The guy's not even here anymore. Because that's the way Brady operates. Brady, I think, <laughs> operates still still and he mentioned this in the in, I thought a pretty telling little moment in the interview too was when we talked about if the guys would get chances. And Brady said, well, you know, the guys who are drafted higher, they always get second and third chances. In his mind, Brady is always thinking still, you know, I believe that, still thinking like he's a sixth-round pick. He's still playing that underdog game. And he looked at Garoppolo as Belichick's shiny new toy, as the second-round pick, as this kid who was good, who was playing well when Brady was hurt. And Brady might like Garoppolo personally. I, I don't doubt that. I mean, he brought him to the Kentucky Derby. On, on, but he looked at him professionally like Fuck this guy. I am going to run him over. He's competition. I am not here. I remember we asked that early on uh, after Garoppolo got drafted. I think in that preseason. And, and the, Brady was like, the idea that I'm going to be like, you know, a mentor to this guy. In his own way, he said, like, no chance. No chance at all. So I think he looked at him, uh, you know, that way. And I think anybody who's motivated professionally, that's exactly the way you should think. Like, that's competition. I think that I think you're right in that sense. I think that something changed probably in the last year, maybe that Brady realized that this guy's not taking my job anymore, and that's why their relationship maybe opened up a little bit more, and that's why he brought him to the Derby this past year. Because, like you said, you know, two years ago, there's no chance Brady invites Garoppolo yeah. to the Derby. So I just think that Brady realized there became a point that he realized that he had the upper hand, and he, you know, not he he beat Garoppolo. He he had the upper hand there, and that's what allowed their relationship to get better. That. That's sort of my take of the whole thing. Yeah, no, I, I, I think there's probably some truth to that, and I, and I do think that you know, like I don't, yeah, I don't think it's a Garoppolo thing. Like I think probably I don't know this given it's the Patriots, but probably in these two picks between their first round pick and the San Francisco pick, they're probably going to take a quarterback or later on or whatever. And you know that kid could be a good kid, and he's going to be there with Tom Brady. And we're now at the point where, you know, if you draft a 20 year old kid or a 21 year old kid, they've been watching Tom Brady since they were five years old, six years old. So, I mean, this guy is going to be like an idol to him, probably. And Brady's not going to give a shit. He's going to look at this guy, which is what makes him part of what makes him the greatest ever. He's going to look at this guy and say, I'm going to bury this guy, too. And I'm going to be playing when I'm 43, 44 years old. And this guy will be somewhere else. I mean, that's just the way he operates. Then the other big thing was the the Ryan Burr story, the Golf Channel guy, about saying that his relationship with Belichick is not great. And, you know, Brady, once again, didn't really give much to that answer as well. But you can re- read into it as, as what you will. What, what's your feeling on, on, on their relationship? Do you think that there any, there is anything to that NBC report? I mean, I, you know, I don't think anybody – the one thing I believe Brady is, I don't think anybody in Brady's camp is, like, leaking stories to Ryan Burr. I don't see the – I don't see the benefit from Brady's end on that. Brady won the war. Like, I don't see – I don't see that. Like, I could see – 
Uh, Brady having dinner at a, let's just play this out. Brady has dinner at Augusta with Jordan Spieth that day where they play golf, right? Yep. They played uh, golf whenever that was at Augusta. They're having dinner one night. Spieth, like anybody, after a while, it's your first, maybe your first real dinner with Brady or time with Brady. What's Belichick like? Are you guys good friends? Or And Brady says, no, nah, not really. You know, it's professional. Uh, you know, respect each other. You think he'd ever trade you? Sure. Like he said, he said to us, sure, he'd trade me. And then, you know, Spieth's talking to somebody. He talks to somebody at the Golf Channel. Like, I actually really think that's how it went. I don't think it's this deep divide. Yep. I do think I do think that the one thing I buy in that ESPN story is I think Belichick would really like an opportunity to win without Tom Brady. And he thought Garoppolo was a guy he could win uh, with. And I think in a weird way, in a weird way, it frustrates him that Brady is still so good at this age. Now, he'll benefit from it, and it helps his legacy as well. But in a weird way, he's almost conflicted over it. It, it, And I know because Belichick, I mean, I don't know, were you there for the Belichick uh, press conference after Garoppolo got traded? The conference call, yeah, yeah. Conference call, yeah. I mean, weren't you surprised? Yes. At, at how effusive he was in his praise. He was more effusive in his praise of Garoppolo there than he has been in 16 years of Brady. No, I, I, I mean, honestly. No, I agree. Before the, even these Super Bowls, when he's getting these cop, these, you know, lollipop questions to say how great Brady is, he won't even do that. So that, that kind of brought me to my overall point. I think that Robert Kraft was actually involved in these discussions, whether it was directly or not. I think Belichick knew that Robert was not going to sign off on, you know, parting ways with Brady at, you know, any time right now when he's playing so well. Whether Belichick went to him directly or not, I, I think it was just understood. I think that with when you make a decision like this so big with an organization, the owner has to get involved. And I think the people that are dismissing that Robert wasn't involved in this at all are really missing the point because what, what, other, what other franchise do you know that has such a big move and not have the owner involved in these conversations? Not, and we all know how not. much Robert loves loves. Brady. So to me, right. you, you need to acknowledge the fact that, that Robert Kraft was involved in these decisions and his allegiance is obviously going to be to Brady. And so that's really going against Belichick because I think Belichick would like to keep Garoppolo as long as he possibly could. I mean, I think it's like, I think it's, you know, do you think that, that uh, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf was involved if they, if they were going to trade Michael Jordan? Of course. I mean, you think that, you know, you'd be involved with him when the Oilers traded Wayne Gretzky? Of course. I mean, that is the level that Brady is at. It is the immortal all-time level. There is no chance whatsoever that the owner was not involved. You're right. Like, I don't, do I think Kraft walked into Belichick's office and said, hey, you're never trading Tom Brady. You got that? No. I think it's, it's more of a conversation than that. And by the way, Belichick probably doesn't want to trade Tom Brady right now. But a year from now, two years from now, if he has a quarterback he likes to get, if he happens to hit the jackpot again and has a guy who he thinks is good, it's going to cross his mind because one of these years, Brady, and I, I don't think Brady's going to do whatever the hell Kellerman said off a cliff. Yeah. But, you know, one of these years, one of them, eventually, Brady's not going to be as good as he is right now. It's just going to happen. Mm-hmm. Now, circling back, you mentioned a little bit earlier, what, you, you didn't think Dylan Holly did a good job yesterday? Or not Dylan Holly. No, no, Ke- no. Keith, don't, 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 don't walk. No, don't walk. I can get in trouble on my own. No, I think they did a fine job. And I think it's a much tougher, much tougher assignment than we have. I mean, Brady's, even when Brady says nothing, he's pleasant and he's conversational. We can ask him anything. Belichick can be a dink with those guys, as you know, sometimes. I would have personally uh, brought up the collision course thing. And then at the end, when they mentioned Garoppolo and how he was off the market for them, they didn't even consider trading him. I think the natural follow-up there would be, what changed? What changed over eight weeks of football where he became a guy that you didn't even consider trading to a guy you traded for a second-round pick eight weeks later? What changed? That, to me, is sort of a natural question. Mm-hmm. 
So I think they were trying to get at that, maybe with the Brissett thing. But but like you said before, I, I think that Belichick sort of had that thing that he wanted to get off his mind about it being so-called fake news and was just sort of waiting for the chance to get to say that. And Because oh, no his answer with the fake news wasn't really directly to the question that was posed. No, it was not. No, no, he was no. He, he, he walked in there. You know, it's like that time he ripped Charlie Cashley a couple yep. of years ago. That was back when he was with Glenn in, in, in the big show. Yep. He walked in, and you could tell. Like, I, I'm convinced Belichick read that story. Uh, the, the, the oh, story, absolutely. Or at least read, or at least you know, read enough. I, I don't know if he read the whole story, but he read enough to know about those quotes. And I think he wanted to talk about it, and he, it was. You could tell he was almost forcing it. And uh, and yeah, but I mean, listen. Interviewing Belichick every week is, is not an easy assignment. I'll rip those guys for plenty of things, but, you know, the Belichick interview is not easy. Do you think your interview with Brady would be different if it was in person every week as opposed to over the phone? <sighs> yeah, that's the other weird thing. You have to do it in person, which is mostly, which is even stranger. Yeah, we, we, I think we're doing with Brady in person later this year. I think we're scheduled to do one. Um, I, I, yeah, we did it a couple of years ago. It was, it's fine. It, it was okay. I mean, Brady's a pleasant guy. Yeah. The one thing, if you, if you, you've been, when you interview Brady, um, the weird thing about Brady is he walks in, like he makes eye contact with you the entire time, yep. which is almost off-putting. Like no other athlete does that. I hate it. I make almost no eye contact. So it's sort of a weird thing for me, but uh, I much prefer, I, it, it, it's easier to be uh, an asshole on the phone than as a person. Absolutely. Definitely. And what is your thoughts real quickly on this, on my new favorite website, this uh, WEI typo website, which is tremendous. All right. First of all, not a website. It's only a Twitter account. Uh, Twitter account, I apologize. Twitter account. Yep. And it should be a website. But for someone that's so highly critical of this, you know, this Twitter account, didn't someone back in the day have the job at editing Michael Felger's mailbag? Absolutely. Joe I, Haggerty's mailbag. Well, why were there so many typos in there then? Because I sucked at it. I didn't say I was any good at it. That's why I'm, that's why I'm amused by it. What's so amusing about it, though? It's just funny. You don't laugh. I mean, you've got to have a sense of humor about it. You don't laugh when you see these typos? I, I laugh. I mean, I go and fix them, but yeah, I, I, I go along right. with it. Right. I mean, does it drive Bradford crazy or no? Yes. Yes, it does. Uh, that is such a thing. It's going to, Rob is going to, so pissed I mentioned it on the air. I know that. I yes. Called me, yes. Called me back. No, he, I know that no he, he called me. Oh, what did he say? He asked if it was mentioned over the air because he noticed that the Twitter account went from having 25 followers to about 200. So just to give you an insight into Rob Bradford, so he was updating the number of followers on the WEI typo Twitter account. I was no. We go to you know no, when we see our. He was which 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 now totals which now totals two hundred. He's worried about that. Yes. Does that does that give you a glimpse into like you know the fact that this guy needs a vacation? Oh, I, that's besides the point. But I think he care he cares about his job. He cares about how the site looks. I if I was the site editor, of course I would care does, about that stuff. Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't care that much. I mean, you fucking see the Twitter account. The thing's friggin' that it's, it's the most busy Twitter account there is. Tweets more than friggin' DJB. What is the level of anger with Bradford about this Twitter account? Seven. <laughs> oh, oh, that is going to get. I think we have the guy on tomorrow. I think he might fill in for Tangway. He might be on the couch tomorrow. That'd be interesting. I mean, I, I don't know what he would have to say, but he's. Who would care? Oh, yeah, really? If it pisses Rob off, I don't care if the show stinks. Uh, the podcast this week is my brother's, Ryan. My dad's birthday would be this Thursday. So I decided my brother's on. We're going to talk about my dad a little bit. All right. uh, we taped it. We taped it over the weekend. Uh, it actually turned out pretty good, I think. Uh, and I, I honestly just kind of want to do it just so I have it myself. Yep. Um, just going forward, so it it, tur- it it turned out it turned out pretty good, I think. I, I don't know who the hell knows. I don't want to give any spoilers, but does the suburban story come up at all? 
No, I know. I, I, that's an excellent point. They were both sleeping at the time. How story. didn't that come up then? Well, because we're talking about my dad. I mean, it wasn't, you know, it's not, you're kind of going over the last days of your dad's life. What I did in the suburban, I did not do in those final couple of days, as I recall. I know, I know, but just having Far, all you guys Far, together would, would have been a Far, fun laugh. Know. Here's Christian Fourier. Christian, how's it going? How was your bye week? Did you enjoy uh, the games on Sunday with no Patriots action? Uh, you know what? I didn't, uh, I wasn't really, you know, digging into football this week. And it was, I was in and out of it. I kind of needed a break myself, you know, like, you know, but then like you, you pull away from it, you look at your phone and you find out that somebody's doing this or somebody did that. And there was, you know, and you see the Jameis Winston like meme going around with him eating a W and you kind of forced to kind of check it out. But no, I took a mental, for the most part, I, I took a mental break from the weekend also. All right, so so you should be good good to go for the rest of the season strong, hopefully going into potentially February? Yes, although I do not want to go to Minnesota. Yes, yes, and yes. Why, why not? Because I'm kind of done taking trips in the wintertime. Like, well, you know what? I would take a trip if we were going to Miami, yep. uh, Arizona, California, someplace where it was hot. So we're going to go from Boston in the crappy cold month um, of February to Minnesota. It's probably it's colder. Worse. Yep. Yeah, I, I want nothing to do with it. All right. Well, even though the Patriots run a bye week, a lot happened last week. Uh, I don't think we've talked to you since the Garoppolo trade. What were your uh, initial thoughts? Um, initial thoughts. Uh, well, you know, I just I was the timing was curious to me after hearing everything that went on during the off season about them not trading him. You know, you know from Schefter, really. That's the only person we heard from. And, you know, to, to getting rid of Kobe Brissett, which let you believe that he was not going to go anywhere. Um, and then for the amount that they got from only a second-round pick, you know, I just thought that he had earned himself a first-round grade based on what he was capable of doing and the amount of reps that he had already gotten and, and his maturity he, had, he was, especially considering that, you know, first-round picks going out of college as quarterbacks will not have near the amount of experience that he has so you thought it was like a, you know, just odd, you know, what they got, only a second-round pick. Maybe because they waited so long, you know, they just needed to get rid of them, and, you know, the 49ers offered a second, or maybe they negotiated a second. But um, overall, yeah, I was just a little um, – at the time it was curious, but which obviously leads you to believe that he wasn't going to resign, and there's just no way they could possibly keep him. I would agree with that, and you know, we got into last week. It seemed like a, the only teams that were in the running were either the Browns or the Forty ers and the report came out that Belichick might have, you know, held held them from trading him to the Browns because of a potential grudge of what happened with them firing him, you know, way back. Even though it wasn't the same franchise, you know, you were around Belichick for a while. Do you think he would ever do that by you know holding a grudge against a franchise to not trade a, a potential franchise quarterback to that team? Well, I do think he would hold a grudge, but I don't know if that was the, the biggest part of that deal. Uh, I do think that he recognized that uh, the San Francisco 49ers organization is a little bit more, uh, I guess, uh, in better hands than I think uh, the Browns are. Um, and, you know, I know that Bill has a relationship with John Lynch from the past, and John Lynch was even, even here with the Patriots for like a hot minute before he retired. Um, but I think that's, if you know, if you really like a guy um, and, you know, you want to give him, uh, give him a good opportunity, then you try to give him the best, you know, landing spot that you can. 
Um, he wouldn't go to the AFC East, I know that much, but mm-hmm. if the options were Cleveland or San Francisco, I think uh, you know that San Francisco was just the better option. I think San Francisco will probably figure it out before Cleveland does. I, I I agree with that. I think that Belichick really he really did like Garoppolo and wanted to make sure that not only did the Patriots get you know a decent return, but also that Garoppolo was in, in good hands himself. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about Belichick's relationship with players. It seemed like he really liked Garoppolo. You know, when you were on his team, did he ever have favorites? Could you tell that he liked certain guys maybe better than others? No, no. I honestly said, I mean. No, I think there were some guys that uh, he had a longer leash with as far as what he allowed them to get away with as just far as being vocal. But, no, I never, ever felt there was any favoritism whatsoever from the, from the, uh, from the undrafted rookie to the, uh, you know, 15-year vet. Uh, you know, no, I mean, everyone was kind of held to the same standards. Now, now, barring, like, you know, who gets, you know, privileged to turn on the music, uh, who gets first choice on the bus. Uh, everyone was treated pretty good, you know. Like, you know, Anthony Pleasant was the only guy that I can remember ever being on a team and really not practicing that much. And if you call that favoritism, like, go ahead. But I think Anthony Pleasant was the guy that earned it. Mm-hmm. Older guy, didn't really, you know, was really there more as a uh, mentor-type role. And uh, But other than that, Everyone got called out. Everyone got yelled at. Everyone got shamed. Uh, yeah, everyone was on the same level. Mm-hmm. I want to circle back to one more thing about Garoppolo. It seems like whenever Tom Brady gets asked about Garoppolo, he can't give him any credit. Like on the morning show, he was asked about whether he felt pushed at all. Like Garoppolo improved Brady at all in the three and a half years, and and he wouldn't say that at all. He said, "I'm self motivated myself." And then he, when he was asked about Garoppolo being, you know, a, a successful quarterback in the future in the league, he wouldn't say that either. He said, "It's up to Jimmy." Why do you think Brady's so reluctant to give Garoppolo some praise? Well, it could be a couple things, but uh, one could be that he doesn't want to be on the hook for labeling, you know, by placing the expectations on Garoppolo. Thus, when he gets to that certain level and the expectations are, you know, ex- are, uh, are supposed to be, you know, bearing fruit, then, you know, it's not like, oh, well, Brady said you were great and you're not great. Brady said you would be awesome. You're not awesome. Brady's a great quarterback, and he's seen a lot of great quarterbacks come uh, come through the league. Was he wrong, or do you just are you like uh, are you like uh, you know not living up to your expectations? Are you not trying? Are you not working? What's the problem? Brady says you're great. That could be one. I mean, could, I mean, or uh, he just uh, you know doesn't want to you know say that he's great because he's jealous. You know, I, I, you know it, it could be a bunch of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the, the safest route. And this is what a lot of college coaches do, uh, high school coaches do, when guys are getting recruited. They don't want to sell a bill of goods that they can't actually control. You know, like, they won't say a guy is going to be great and and oversell him just the guy gets recruited or so the guy gets a job. Because what if he is? And now they have have no credibility. Now nobody comes to them and nobody trusts them. Mm -hmm. So I think the safe route is just to be consistent with all the guys that come through all the quarterbacks, like Matt Castle to uh, Jacoby Brissett. Like, uh, I think they, they have a great opportunity. Mm-hmm. And he plays it safe, yep. you know, and that way no one can use his words against him. Mm-hmm. Now, looking ahead to the game game this week in Denver, Patriots have always seemed to have trouble out there. Did you Were you on any of those teams that played out in Denver? Yeah, I was on a couple of them. And Why did you guys always suck out there? 
Well, I don't know if it was because of the elevation or because it was cold. Listen, it's a, first of all, it's a tough place to play. Um, and if you go there, and especially if they have a good team, you know, the rules apply just like when teams come to Foxborough. Like, you can't give them any extra opportunities. They feed off the crowd. They feed off the energy. Um, the altitude isn't an issue. Um, the, the, the crowd noise is it's loud, but once you can't hear, what does it matter? Uh, you can't hear, you can't hear. The most important thing is just can you consistently, you know, operate. And if you can't do that, then the crowd gets into it, then you just feel like then you start pressing. But most of the times when we lost there, it was like a fumble here, an interception there, a bad route there. And then they made us, you know, suffer because of it. they punched us for it. So that's the reason. Um, we used to have trouble going to Miami. They used to blame it on the heat. Ah, it's too hot in Miami. No, Miami was always good. Ah, we can't play. We got we got to go down a week early. We got to go down a day early to get acclimated to the weather. It's hot out there. So we go down on a Friday. We practice there on a Friday. We still get our ass kicked. So that to me, oh, we need new uniforms. Yeah, we will play better with different uniforms. Like none of that has anything to do with whether you want to lose. Mm. It's all mental. It's all psychological. Denver was really good. They were well coached, um, and they're not at the same team they were back then, right? Like, Brock Osweiler getting the start is, is not the answer to their problems. Um, the defense is a lot older now, yet still, you know, good, but they're not the same defense that they were a couple years ago. DeMarcus Ware is gone. Von Miller is still a stud. Akeem lead is, is older. So, your Shane Ray is not the guy that I think they thought. He's more of a situational guy, even though they drafted him in the first round. So you're dealing with, you know, Derek Wolf is a good player also, but still, I think you have enough offense to combat that. You've had a week, an extra week to prepare. Your guys are getting healthy at the right time. And Brock Osweiler is going to give you a couple. He'll, he'll throw some in your lap, mm-hmm. and that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Well, Ego, on this one, your, your thoughts about Denver and Miami gave me this one. What was the toughest place you ever played in your NFL career, whether it's with the Patriots or not? No, it was a Kansas City. Kansas City wow. backed up into that uh, loud. Well, also, they were good. They were good, and it was loud. Um, and the rules were different, so the sound, the, the the crowd noise really was an asset for them. Their, their defensive players, you know, because they, you know, they could kind of like uh, you know coax you off the line. It was a lot of different things, but yeah, you backed up into that one end zone. I don't know if it was the east or west or north or south end zone. I mean, you literally couldn't hear a damn thing. It was impossible, impossible to hear. And they're right on top of you, so you could just really feel their presence. And then, uh, if you weren't, if you didn't have your wits about you, then, you know, you allowed it to kind of affect your play, and it became, you know, a problem. So, uh, yeah, I've always said Kansas City. I played in Green Bay. I played in, you know, I mean, Arizona was tough. Even when Arizona sucked back when they played in uh, the old, in Tempe mm-hmm. because it was so damn hot, you played them in September in that old stadium where Arizona State plays. It was a, it, you're dying because mm-hmm. it was 110 degrees. Mm-hmm. So just physically it wore you out, um, but there was no you know real crowd noise, but just physically it, it broke you down. All right, late night game this week. You'll be on fifth quarter after the game. Stand up late. Fifth quarter, pre-game, post-game, late night, man. I got it all covered. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Christian. We'll talk to you next week. All right, bro.
Last but not least on the Not Sunday podcast, Rich Keefe. Rich, let's get right to it. Big big day yesterday at Gillette Stadium with Bill Belichick. Thought it was his best interview of the year with you guys. What were uh, your biggest takeaways? What stood out most to you? Yeah, uh, just how open he was on a lot of the things. And, and the fact that he pretty much admitted that he read that article in ESPN by Seth Wickersham uh, and, and calling out saying there were no real sources in it actually calling it fake news. I mean, all of that jumped out to me. But, you know, we asked him about Alex Guerrero. We asked him about his relationship with Tom Brady. We asked him about the Jimmy Garoppolo trade, all this stuff. And he didn't just bat it away. You know, he gave you some sort of Belichick answers in there, but also some really real information, including, you know, Garoppolo wasn't available. Like, they were not going to trade him back in April. So some stuff that we've all kind of speculated on and heard different reports of, he kind of told you, how it is a little bit yesterday. Was Garoppolo that that stuff your biggest takeaway? The Garoppolo thing was in in how he said, hey, we knew that there was obviously a timeline for this, you know, based off contracts and things like that, but I'm still perplexed on how he wouldn't be available at all in April and then you're going to trade him at the deadline. So I didn't know when... I tried to ask him, you know, when did you know that you were going to have yeah. to deal him? And he sort of said, well, we knew it was possible. But he didn't say, like, you know, week two or week right. three. Or we, we knew it was going to be at the deadline. If we started the season with him, we knew we weren't going to have him. And I think that's why Michael brought up Jacoby Brissett, too, saying, all right, well, if you knew there was sort of a, a timeline in all of this, what about the guy you just drafted in the third round from a year ago? Uh, why, not, why not him? So the Garoppolo stuff, sure. But I think the Guerrero stuff is interesting, too, because yeah. it's just it's so – Let's face it; it's weird. Is, yeah. it, is it not weird? Like everything that's yeah. like the whole TB twelve thing to what? Like a massage therapist, like a chiropractor, yeah. or yeah. like a massage therapist? Yeah. I think both. And he said, you know, if somebody if they want to go see him for a second opinion or whatever, but he doubled down on saying he does not work for the team. He always always says that whenever that's Guerrero his thing. comes up. Always that that's always in his in his keywords. Whenever Guerrero comes up, he doesn't work for the team. Doesn't and and he and Tom and that's their their business. Like I said, like literally their business is yeah. is what they have going on there. So that's one where you had to, you kind of have to read between the lines, but yeah. I don't think he's necessarily wild about him. Oh, absolutely. You know, no, I, it's pretty I, I clear. Think, I think that comes down to the whole a coach manager so defensive with their training staff, I and mean, we've seen that with, yeah. with Farrell over the years and, and his training staff. So I'm sure that's somewhat part of Belichick's reasoning for sticking up for his guys, you know, because I'm sure the the Patriots training staff isn't exactly the greatest fans of Guerrero either because they're no. sort of, they're getting in in their way of doing their own business right and then if you're hearing that Guerrero's upset with because you look at all the guys he has worked with they've all been hurt with the exception of Brady this year and even Brady's been hurt but he just right. you know he hasn't missed any games but Hightower Edelman both out for the year Gronk missed a game Amendola missed a game so it's not the greatest track record uh, over there I mean with the exception of TB12 himself right exactly. Uh, not signing the NFL Sunday show night game this week. Yes, you guys won't be at the shed for a while. I, mean, I was looking, you know, at the schedule. They're not home until after Thanksgiving, which is kind of scary. That is true. Yeah, they, they're a long ways away. Uh, but that's fine. I don't, I don't, I don't mind it. I like the comfort of our studios here in Brighton. So I think we'll be able to have some good NFL Sundays. Mutt was out this past week, so Andy Hart, and yet he still, yeah, Andy Hart was in. And Andy Hart was great, but Mutt still decided to text me. His picks. We do two picks every week. Oh, he can't miss that. He was over two. I'm like, just save yourself the week. Like he's been doing terrible with these picks. And I wasn't. I was gonna say, hey, Andy Hart's gonna pick for you. You have a special guest picker. It'll be Andy Hart. And if they're good, you can have them. If they're bad, you can say, well, no, those weren't my picks. But he texts me during the show. I looked down and he said, I think it was like Denver and San Francisco. Mm. 
both got smoked. Like they were both yeah. underdogs, but yeah. they both got smoked. And I was like, all right. Well, especially Denver. Denver got right. absolutely crushed. Yeah. And I was like, all right. I guess you want these want these picks, but so be it. It wasn't row the weekend for my. I think he lost a lot of money at, <laughs> at Mohegan with the Breeders. <laughs> Hope he didn't well. bet his NFL picks. That's right. That's right. All right. Thanks a lot, Rich. We'll, we'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks. Sounds good. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.